Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm glad that you're with us today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday. Take a deep breath for a good Friday show. I think you're going to enjoy this. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I hope, I truly hope that I might punch you in the nose a little bit or at least get your attention because we're going to talk about the one thing that will get in the way of your having a deep relationship with your Heavenly Father with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and your best friend, the one thing that will get in the way, and that is distractions. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Let me first remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. If you go to our website, 721ministries.org, that's 721ministries.org, you'll find many different things on the website for you to to uh, download, to take a look at. You can you can take that. There's links on that with posters that explain and graphics explain a lot of the things that we do. We've got a link on that to our sister website, puttinggreenblog.com, puttinggreenblog.com. On that site, you can find our books that we've produced. We've got two more coming out here soon. Uh, we, you can also sign up for our, our weekly devotional. We call it the Putting Green. Uh, so, Check either one of those out, 721ministries.org. We've got past radio shows on there. We've got a Vimeo channel and a YouTube channel. And then we've got puttinggreenblog.com. Okay, again, thank you so much for being with us. Last week, we started a new fall series, and we called it It's Time. And Buddha said that the number one mistake that we all make. And I'm not a Buddha fan. I don't have a Buddha statue. I was just comparing and contrasting some of these other people that people follow to Jesus. He said the number one mistake we make in life is we think we have time. And Jesus came along and said, what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? He gave the example of the rich young ruler who kept, excuse me, not the rich young ruler, the rich man, the greedy man in Luke 12 who kept gaining more money building bigger barns, putting everything up so that he could eat, drink, and be merry in the future days. And, and God said, You're, you fool, your life will be taken from you tonight. So we started that with the challenge that we would all make the commitment that we really would. We would say, I am going to today, not tomorrow, not next week. I'm going to today really kick it into high, a higher gear. I'm going to bump my trajectory I'm going to go deeper in my relationship. And I don't in any way mean for you to get a big list of things to do and get real active. I mean to to really go deeper. And this is all a prelude to in just a couple of weeks we're going to get to a series on prayer. Because prayer, that conversational relationship, a very deep, meaningful relationship where you are talking to your Heavenly Father and listening and having a conversation with your Heavenly Father, with your best friend Jesus throughout the day, that is one of the surest ways to to get that life that is truly life that life to the full that jesus said he came to get get give us so prayer is where we're headed we're just plowing the field right now to get ready to talk about prayer but but what is going to hinder you from going deeper in your relationship with jesus what's going to get in the way and what is going to get in the way of your prayer life being a deep and meaningful prayer life And and i can tell you right now what gets in the way of my prayers is distractions Distractions keep me from praying, and distractions creep in while I am praying and get me going off in another direction. 
Distractions get in the way of our going deeper in our relationship. And so today I want to talk about distractions. I want to leave with this quotation that someone sent me. It was on Instagram, some, somebody named Johnny Jackson. But he said, the man who loves to walk will walk further than the man who loves the destination. The man who loves to walk will walk farther than the man who loves the destination. Now just think about that. Because I'm relating this to your journey with Jesus. The man who loves the journey... He said, man, when you love the journey, the goals just happen and the milestones you hit are mere side effects. When you fall in love with the journey, everything else takes care of itself. Then I remember walking. I was in northern England with a, my friend who lives in Japan, Tommy, and his wife, Junko, and she's Japanese. And they were in England, and I went over to visit them. And we were in that northern England lake district, and, and I started walking on my own on this, this uh, these series of hills called the Cat Bells. It's up in Keswick. And you've hardly ever seen anything as beautiful as this. There are lakes everywhere. That's why it's called the Lake District. These, these aren't mountains. These are big hills, but grass everywhere, sheep everywhere. And I got up on the ridge and started walking, and I lost complete track of time, complete track of mileage because it was just so beautiful. I was loving the walk. I didn't have a destination. I think a destination would have been a distraction. I ran into a couple of different people who were hiking at one man, one woman at separate times. And they each said, I said, well, how long, you know, how far are you going? Well, I'm just going to keep walking until I find a bed and breakfast. And I'm going to spend the night in the bed, bed and breakfast. I'm going to get up the next morning. Because they loved the journey. If we can fall in love with the journey of going deeper in our relationship, then the destination will take care of itself. And the goals along the way will take care of themselves. We're talking about joy power, not willpower. Living with joy power, not willpower. So here we are talking about distractions. What's going to get in the way? And Jesus had something to say about this. He said, and this is Luke 14, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18 in Luke 14. But they all alike began to make excuses. They all alike began to make excuses. I heard this somewhere. It's certainly not original to Sam, but if it's important to you, you will make it happen. If it's not, you will make excuses. If it's important to you, you will make it happen. If it's not, you will make excuses. Men from time to time, probably often over the years, have said to me, Sam, I've been meaning to come to the 721 meetings, but, you know, work and I get called off and this and that. And then, or else they'll say, I was mean, I was going to come today. I was going to come this week, but, and I'll simply reply, well, you'll come when it's important to you. Oh, it's important to me. It's important to me. Well, no, really. I don't think there's anything more true. I don't think there's a truism that has more basis in reality than if it's important to you, you will make it happen. If it's not, you will make excuses. So pause for a moment because we're, we're under this category of distractions. We're in, under this category of what's going to get in the way of you going deeper. What excuses do you come up with? And, and let me just start by focusing on time in the morning with your Heavenly Father. Some, some time where you could really spend quietly reading Scripture, praying, being in that conversational relationship, what are some of the excuses that we're going to give? Now, and, and let me tell you, 
I don't want to be standing next to you when you give some of these excuses because you will be giving these excuses to your Heavenly Father, and I don't want to get hit with the shrapnel of some of these lame, when you pull back to the 30,000-foot level, stupid, silly, ridiculous excuses. I mean, I have men who will say to me, well, you know, the first thing I do in the morning is I read three newspapers. I read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the London Financial Times, or my local paper or whatever. Or perhaps it's ESPN for a lot of men, or, or just regular news feeds, or the local news, or maybe it's exercise, which is a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Or they'll tell me it's work, or emails, or texts. They just don't have time to spend that early morning time with their Heavenly Father, so they make excuses. Let me read this in full, this parable that Jesus gives in Luke 14. Again, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. Notice Jesus so often refers to living in the kingdom, life to the full, the life that is truly life, with, uh, with the idea of a great banquet or a feast or a wedding feast. This is what he wants you to know. This is what it looks like to go deeper. It's like a great banquet. It's like a wedding feast. It's rich, it's wonderful, it's deep, it's warm, it's rewarding. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. You know, I would insert, I've killed the fatty calf, I've got all the food ready, the wine's ready to go. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I cannot come. Now, on the surface, these seem reasonable excuses, but in that culture, everyone hearing this would have fallen out laughing because those are the lamest excuses. I just bought a field and I must go and see it. You don't think he, he, nobody bought a field sight unseen. I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Let me assure you, he would have tried out the five yoke of oxen. I just got married, so I cannot come if he had just gotten married, he's not out having conversations with anybody. In that culture, you were stayed home with your wife. So these are just lame excuses, and Jesus is, is showing how ridiculous excuses are. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Now, Jesus is telling us that your heavenly father, he doesn't care for your lame excuses. So don't even give him the lame excuses, okay? He became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Well, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now listen what sweet Jesus says next. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. These people that gave me these lame excuses, no, they, they don't get to come into the banquet they didn't have time. They had these other things that were getting in the way. And that is the number one excuse, isn't it? I don't have time. So let me give you this example, this, this uh, living example that I do with the various groups. I put out 24 cups, and I put them out on the table, and they represent 24 hours in the day. And I'll say to them, okay, let's, let's allocate a certain number of hours from the, for, for work. From the time you leave your house to the time you come home. 
from the time you leave your house, let's just say that was 7.30, to the time you get home, what is a re- and you're going to eat lunch during that time, what is a reasonable number of hours to give? And so, you know, you, maybe you start with an eight-hour workday, and then you add an hour and another hour, and I give them 10 hours to leave the house, work, eat lunch, come home, 7.30 to 5.30. 10 hours. Nobody can say I'm shortchanging them or I'm not being realistic. And quite frankly, if you can't get it done during that time, you're not working smart. You're working foolishly. So then I'll say, okay, well, let's, now this, you know, the order of anybody's day is going to be different, but I'll say, how much time should we allot? How many hours should we allot for in the morning? And let's just call it waking up, having breakfast. Let's give ourselves 45 minutes to sit down and, and do scripture. Wake up, have breakfast, but before you do that, have your 45 minutes with the Lord, and then let's throw time in there for exercise. Just in case you did it in the morning, you could switch this to the afternoon. Is three hours enough time from the time you wake up to the time you leave the house? Is three hours enough to do those things? 45 minutes with the Lord, shower, workout, breakfast. I think three hours is ample time. So then you come home from work, and you're going to have supper, and you're going to spend time with your wife or your husband or your children, whatever your day is. This is all just an example. So how many hours should we allot to having supper, relaxing, spending quality time with your family? Three hours? Now, you could have worked out. You could be working out in the afternoon versus the morning. All these hours are just giving you the general idea. So let's give you another three hours. So now we've given you 10 hours to work, six hours to get ready, to do quiet time with your Heavenly Father, to eat, to relax, spend time with your children, your family. And you know how much time's left? Eight hours. Eight hours to get a good night's sleep. So see... No one has the excuse that they don't have time. What's going to get in the way of your quality time with your family, your quality time, your own self, your body, mind, and spirit? What's going to get in the way of your quality time with the Lord, with exercise, with the things that are so healthy for us to live the life that is truly life? Well, it's going to be all the excuses we just gave. It's going to be the silly committees that you serve on It's going to, that, that are not necessary. It's going to be the, the TV that you watch and the time you spend on the computer and FaceTime and all those things. Don't, don't tell me you don't have time. We just demonstrated there's plenty of time. And here's the, another one of those truisms that is just, it, again, it is one of these facts of life. When you say yes to something, it means you'll have to say no to something else. When you say yes to something which we all do without thinking about saying no to something else. Yes, I'll serve on that committee. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll watch that TV or yes, I'll whatever it is. And remember, we're only talking about during the week now. Plenty of leisure time on the weekends. But when you say yes to something, you'll have to say no to something else. And I've learned, and I carry an index card with me. Because on that index card, I've got my priorities. And the first priority is men's ministry. And underneath that is one-on-one with men. Well, I guess before that would be my wife, Dina, her children, my daughter's automatic in there, and then body, mind, and spirit. So if you were to come to me and ask me to do something that doesn't fall under the category of men's ministry, I've learned to say no to that. Because if I say yes, I'm going to have to say no to one of these other 
very important things to me. It may just be that I'll have to say no to quiet time with my Heavenly Father in the morning. It may be that I'll have to say no to sleep, or I'll have to say no to working out, or relaxing, or getting some margin in my life. Saying yes means you'll have to say no to something. Learn that, please. Okay, Hebrews 12. I want you to think about this. I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's get rid of all these distractions. Let's get rid of all these things that we're involved in that are getting in the way of life to the full, of the life that is truly life. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the perfecter of our faith. I've read that. I don't know how many times, 100, 200, 300. It's one of my favorite passages. But for the first time, as I was pondering this, I think the Holy Spirit gave me this high beam, that yes, we're running a race, but it's not just my race. I'm running a relay race, and you're running a relay race. I want you to think about that for a moment. I, none of us are on a journey by ourselves. We're not isolated. The way we live our lives affects those around us. So is it a positive, encouraging, and energizing effect, or is it a draining negative effect? Or worse, is it a big nothing burger? See, my parents ran their race, and they handed the baton to me. And now I'm running my race, and I'm handing the baton to my children. Back in Sumter, where I, where I grew up, my parents' friends, they were always investing in us. They ran their race, and then they handed that baton to us. My coaches ran their race and then handed the baton to me. My teachers, a few of my teachers, took the time to invest in my life outside of school. There were several older men, mentors in my life, in life and in business, that took the time to invest in me and then handed me the baton. See, I didn't see this back then, but I see it now. And there were several Christian men who were running their race, and then they handed me a baton. And I got to tell you, it's been such a blessing to take that baton and run with it. We're in a relay race. So I want you to pause for a moment and think about all those before you who handed you a baton. Maybe even take this thought and discuss it with your spouse, maybe even your children tonight. I'll tell you, it'll be a blessing if you do. You see, these people invested in my life. They handed me a baton, and I want to invest in others' lives. I had older men who invested in my life. I'm always on the lookout for a younger man who, who needs an older man to invest in his life. Just spend a little time. Give him some direction. Give him some encouragement. I had coaches who invested. I played a lot of sports. I'm always looking for a young man that I could give just a little bit of instruction. Say, you know, you're doing that well, but if you try this, then you'll really be able to excel at that sport. Business men gave me tips, and now I'm looking to give other, other young people tips. I, you see, here's the thing. I'm not going to drop the baton. No, sir. I'm not going to drop the baton, and I don't, I don't want to lose the race because I was too slow or sloppy or out of shape. We're not focused on the prize, the prize being what is most important in life. 
Jesus, marriage, family, work, others. I want to hand that baton off after running, having run as hard as I can with joy power now, not willpower. I want the handoff to be a solid one. I don't want to drop the baton with, with some kind of wobbly handoff because I didn't finish my leg of the race strong. I want to hand the baton to my children, having given them so much of a lead that they don't have to look back, waste any time looking back over their shoulders. I want to run my race so that I improve on the time before me and hand that baton off. Any young person I can give them the baton of assistance, I want to do it. Anyone I can introduce to Jesus as my, as my Savior, but also as my best friend, I want to hand that baton off. So how will I be sure to run my leg of the race and make a solid handoff? Well, let's go back to Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Don't let other things get in the way. Don't let other things distract us. Well, fix my eyes on Jesus. Paul said, after all, and I'm reading from the message, all good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out on myself, missing out on it myself. He, he, that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. To stay in top condition, as the Holy Spirit through Paul says, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus and his presence and his power. And I want to learn each day to lean into and lean onto the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Each day, throughout the day, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. And do not miss this because I'm going to say it once. I'll say it several times. I will not allow distractions. I will not allow my own myopic selfishness. I will not allow the ridiculousness of this culture to cause me to stumble and hand off a lousy, shaky, wobbly baton. I want to get that when I finish the race. I want to get to that point where I hear my Heavenly Father say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You did so many good things with what I gave you. Come on now, enjoy your time with me. We're all running a race, and it's a relay race. And I don't want to be sloppy with that relay race time. Jesus tells us about the parable of the four soils. And the third soil, in Matthew 13 and in Luke 8, similar issues The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. In Luke 8, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Matthew, Jesus says they're not fruitful. In Luke, he says they don't mature because they got distracted by all these other things. I learned this through search ministries. Satan has three D's. Destroy, distract, discourage. Destroy, distract, discourage. If he can keep you out of a relationship with Jesus, then he has won the the victory that he's looking for, and that is destroy your life. But if you find that relationship with Jesus, he won't give up. He won't relent. He will then seek to distract and discourage you. Distract and discourage you. So 
The key is for us to fix our eyes on Jesus and run our race with perseverance, throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let me share with you this uh, exercise I did with the men's meetings. I took a little, little, a little hand fan. You've probably seen them at funerals. And on one side, it has Jesus, and on the back side, it's just blank. It's just white paper. So you can picture you're holding a fan, and on one side is named Jesus, and the other side is just white. And I, I took off magazine covers, and I, post, I taped them to the back of the Jesus fan. And on those magazine covers that I pulled off, I had boats. I had vacations. I had cars, trucks. Clemson football, Carolina football, Alabama football. You either love them or you hate them, any of these three teams. Or college football. I had pictures of pro football helmets. I had uh, a poster of uh, Instagram and FaceTime and all the things that we get caught up in. I had pictures of beautiful women and handsome men. Of course, it's a men's group, so they weren't any handsome men. The men had on nice clothes, and so some men get all caught up in chasing clothes, cars, boats, trucks, sports, travel. I had a picture of a home under renovation. Sometimes it's the house being renovated or it's the house you want to buy. And each time I would have a man hold the poster and hold it where he's facing Jesus, fixing my eyes on Jesus, and then we'd flip it to the other side. And that's what hinders, and that's what gets in the way. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's not run a weak leg of the relay. I don't want to be the man who doesn't run the race well. I don't want to be the man who doesn't finish strong. I don't want to be the man or woman who doesn't make a solid handoff. I want you to take this message and take it to heart. Perhaps think about and write down the things that get in your way. Perhaps think about and write down the things that are distracting you, that you're allowing in the morning to get in the way of spending that time with your Heavenly Father. You know, some of you have young children in the house, and so your response to me would be, I don't have time. I have to get up and help my wife or my husband with the children. I have to help my children get off to school. Well, there's a very simple solution to that. Go to sleep earlier and wake up earlier. If it's important to you, you'll make it happen. If it's not, you'll make excuses. Satan's three Ds. Destroy, distract, discourage. And remember, at the end of every sales meeting that, that Satan has, as, the, as his demons are leaving to go out and try to harass us he says remember now remember when everybody stops and they look back he says remember if you can't make them bad today make them busy if you cannot make them bad make them busy my friends i want to be like paul in second timothy 4 verse 7 and 8 for i'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near i have fought the good fight i have finished the race the relay race and i've handed that baton off I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That's the way we want to finish the race. May you run your race with purpose and energy, and may your handoff be a solid handoff to those who receive your baton. I'm Sam Hunter, 
This is 721 Live. So long. God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.